Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today on the podcast, we've um, seen a big sell-off in bonds of all kinds over the last year or two. Real yields on 10-year tips have gone from 1% to 2.4% since March. And as recently as March last year, they were minus 1% real yield. The numbers on nominal yields are uh, to 4.7% from 3.3% in March. And in July 2020, they were at one half percent. So real uh, nominal yields have risen 4.2% or so, and real yields 3.4% over the last year or two years or three years, depending on your time frame. So is it time to buy them after such an enormous sell-off, or, or is it time to get out of the way? Uh, before I get into that, I will, we got to take a step aside here and thank our sponsors and give you the trivia question. This episode of Sense and Sensibility is sponsored by Simplify ETFs, a fast-growing ETF shop democratizing access to the most sophisticated alternative strategies. With diversifying strategies like market-neutral equity long-short, managed futures, and multi-strat quant Simplify has a suite of compelling tools to help address the biggest concerns with the classic 60-40 portfolio. Check out their website at simplify.us. That's simplify.us, and you can find their entire lineup of ETFs at simplify.us slash ETFs. And now the trivia question. Uh, we'll go to music this time. The uh, So the question for the music category is, what 1979 tune implored us to turn up that old Victrola. Turn up that old Victrola. Okay. Uh, let's see. So this episode of Sense and Sensibility is actually going to be a little bit shorter, I think, because, well, we'll see. I think it's uh, the, the, the question and the answer is, is uh, fairly, it's a fairly simple question, and, and the answer itself is, is fairly simple. Um, you know, as I said before, nominal yields have gone from 0.5 to 4.7 and real yields over a shorter time period from minus one to 2.4. Um, the higher yields are supporting the dollar and they're drawing idle cash balances into longer investments. Um, which by the way, as an aside, that means there's less demand for cash because of these higher yields which means higher money velocity because lower demand for cash balances means higher money velocity. It's what I've been saying for a long, 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 long time. We have sort of two con contributions to higher money velocity right now. One of them is just the rebound from, you know, the, the, the spring effect that I've referred to before, uh, as money velocity catches up as the price level catches up to the, the prior gusher of money. Um, but the longer-term effect is that higher yields lead to higher money velocity. So um, I've talked about this as a vicious cycle, the opposite of the virtuous cycle we had for 30 or 40 years. The vicious cycle is that higher yields lead to higher money velocity, and higher money velocity leads to higher inflation, and higher inflation leads to higher yields again. And so we, it appears that we are in that kind of cycle. Um, you know, we... We have uh, we've sort of convincingly left the low in the low yield world behind. And so far, the the rising yields hasn't affected stocks, 
But that's not my concern here. In fact, neither is velocity. That's not really my topic today. What I want to talk about today is, is what I want to do is answer the question, is now the time to buy tips? Is now the time to buy nominal bonds? And, and the short answer about tips is, is yes. Um, it is a, a good time to buy these real yields. The answer on nominal yields is not necessarily. But uh, again, I'm mainly going to focus on inflation-linked bonds. So let's first review how tips work. There are a couple of different structures of inflation-linked bonds, but the tips bond is what we call the Canadian model because Canada was the first one to sort of do it exactly this way. But, but the way tips work is that you have a given principal amount, the $100 that you've given, and that principal amount is adjusted as the price level goes up. So if you have a 4% inflation, we increase the principal amount 4%. We have an, if, we, if the year after that we have 5% inflation, then we, impre- we further increase the principal another 5%. If we have deflation, we decrease it. And, and so the principal itself goes up and down with the price level, and we pay a fixed coupon rate, but on a principal which varies. So if we've had 10% inflation, then the principal that we're going to get back in the future is 10% higher. So we'll get the same real amount of dollars back. And because the principal is 10% higher, the coupons are also 10% higher. So our coupons keep up in real space as well. And so that's kind of how a, a TIPS bond um, is, is structured. And, and what that means is that that coupon, that stated coupon, is, is, sort of, is, is a real coupon. Okay, so the actual nominal amount of dollars that you receive will change based on what the price level is, but the real coupon rate will always be the same. And for and and similarly, although the amount of dollars you someday get back in nominal terms is going to be different than than a hundred, in real terms it will be a hundred. It will keep up with inflation, and and so what that does is it ensures that to the extent that. CPI measures inflation accurately, and we've talked a lot about how it, it, it's pretty close. But, um, but to the extent that that CPI is the right index, then you what you care about in owning a tips bond is just the real yield. You you should be indifferent about inflation because if it goes up, they're going to pay you that inflation amount. And so it's very different than when you own a nominal bond and you commit to a, a certain yield that you're going to receive. That yield is in nominal space, and if inflation goes up, you just made a bad bet. If inflation goes down, then you made a good bet. So, so let's look at nominal bonds first, and then we'll talk about tips. Nominal bonds right now, a 10-year note yields 4.7%. Now, that's the highest interest rate since before the global financial crisis. And so it looks cheap in the sense that it's been, you know, uh, 15 years or so since we've last seen that yield. That's amazing. 15 years. Wow. Um, but on the other hand, it's also really clear if you sort of look at, at the chart of yields going back to the early 80s and the 70s, right? it's got a long-term yield chart. It's pretty clear that the long-term downtrend that we've enjoyed since the early 80s uh, is over. And there's no reason to think, you know, sort of the most optimistic you can you can be if you look at the chart is that, well, maybe we someday we could get back to two, but we're not going to go back to a half percent. And honestly, it's hard to 
construct a scenario where you get yields back to 2%. Um, there's really no real reason to think that you're going to see anything less than 2% for decades, if ever. And that's partly because inflation now is not going to go to 1% again. It's probably permanently going to be higher than we had experienced before, not too closer to three if we're optimistic, okay, over time. And so that means that, that nominal yields are going to be permanently higher than, than we had become accustomed to. But that's okay. I mean, 4.7% is a pretty reasonable interest rate in the long sweep of time. It's, it's a pretty normal rate. Um, so what's the downside if you buy nominal treasuries at 4.7%? Well, so when you buy a bond, there's sort of two concerns. And one of them is what's your yield to maturity and was that a good deal? And the other is, you know, what's the mark to market? You know, how badly does this help or hurt your portfolio? Because you can always sell the bonds, you know, before maturity if you like. If you buy regular bonds at 4.7% and yields continue to climb, then you have a mark to market loss. So if we go from 4.7 to 5.7, the bonds that you bought with a 4.7% yield now yield 5.7, and that means they have a lower price, higher yield. Um, if you hold to maturity, then you'll still get your 4.7 4 in nominal dollars. So for every, you know, $100 that you put in, you got 104.7 out compounded, okay? Um, the problem is that it isn't clear that that it will end up being a good deal against inflation. So if you... If yields rise from 4.7 to 5.7, the question is, why did they rise? If it's because inflation rose again, then you're stuck earning 4.7% as the price level keeps rising and the money you get back isn't worth as much as, as you thought. So with the nominal yield, that 4.7, some of that yield is meant to compensate you for the fact that when you get, you know, you put 100 in, $100 in, and you get $100 back at the end, and so some of that yield is meant to compensate you for the fact that the $100 you get back at the end ain't worth the same as the $100 you put in initially because inflation, it doesn't buy as much in 10 years as $100 buys today. And so instead of paying you 2%, they pay you 4.7. And so some of that, you know, the is the inflation compensation. And, and it's determined when you, when you buy that bond and you have that yield, then you know what that inflation compensation is. And if you guessed right, if inflation went down when you bought that bond, then you got more compensation than you needed because actual inflation was lower. And if inflation turns out to be higher, then you didn't get enough compensation and you ended up losing. And so what I'm calling inflation compensation, we also call the break-even inflation rate. And so it's the, but it's the difference between real yield that adjusts with inflation, that's TIPS, and the nominal yield, which includes this guess at what the inflation compensation ought to be. So, so the downside if you buy a nominal bond at 4.7% is you might be wrong and you didn't get enough inflation compensation and you've made a 10-year mistake. Uh, and you get your money back at the end You've been paid for inflation of 2.5%, and it turned out to be 5.5% instead, and it was just a really bad bet. On the other hand, if you, if you own tips and 
if real yields continue to climb, you, you still have a marked market, you're, but you're only locked in. The, the only mistake you've made is locking in the 2.4% real yield, which is not nearly as bad because if inflation goes to nine, well, that's, it doesn't matter. That's not a mistake when you own tips because they pay you the nine. So, so you're still immune to the inflation increases. So if you if you bought a 2.4 real yield and it went to 3.4, okay, then you still could have done better. You'll get inflation plus 2.4 and instead of inflation 0.3.4 plus 3.4, but you still get inflation plus uh, if you hold the maturity. So, so your your downside there, if you hold to maturity, really isn't that bad. You're still being beating inflation by two point four percent, and 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 in a second I'll talk about why that's that's not so bad. Um, so, if nominal yields had gone to eight because inflation went to five or six, then the tips that you bought still ultimately pay off two point four percent in real terms if you hold them to maturity, meaning that the principal is adjusted for that rise in inflation, that five or six percent a year that that I just hypothesized. And so in that way, to be very clear, tips are much less risky than nominal bonds in the dimensions that we care about, which is in real space. Okay? The after inflation risk is much, much, much lower for an inflation linked bond. Than it is for a nominal bond. But let's look a little further and let's kind of think about the natural ranges because the other thing that's sort of interesting about real yields at 2.4 is that, you know, the disaster case is, is sort of hard, harder to get. If you buy, so nominal bonds historically between now and 1980, Nominal bonds have had yields, nominal 10-year notes have been as high as 16% and as low as one half percent. Um, and right now they're at 4.7, so they're much closer to the lower end of that. Tips, on the other hand, have had a range from minus 1% to a little more than 4. Uh, and you're much closer to the higher end of that. Now, now tips only date back to 1997. So you might say, well, that's really not quite fair because you know, how, what would they have yielded in 1980 or 1981? Well, it turns out that we actually had inflation-linked, there was a, a, a nation that had an inflation-linked bond market in the early 1980s, and that's, that's the United Kingdom. And, and, and those bonds are very similar to our bonds, to, to, to TIPS. They're actually, back then they were structured a little bit differently, but, but they still had a real yield, they still paid you inflation. And, uh, and they never got, they never got to 5%. Okay, so even though inflation in the UK got as high or higher uh, as, it, as it did in the United States, I mean, globally inflation was super high, real yields in the UK never got, never got over 5 or never got super close to 5 uh, And And so there's, there's kind of the reason, there's, there's a good reason for this, okay, because um, when, when nominal yields really explode, it's because of that inflation expectations component, okay? And so people can expect 10%, 20%, 40%. There's no limit to what people can expect in terms of inflation. But there's sort of a natural speed limit in terms of real yields. If real yields ever get to four, then they're delivering a comparable real return in the, to a long-run equity market return. 
in the long run, equities, if they're fairly valued, and right now they're not fairly valued, but if equities are fairly valued over a long period of time, they tend to yield something like inflation plus 5%. And so if you can get in a bond form inflation plus 4% with no credit risk, much less volatility, uh, and a guaranteed at a horizon, then you take that all day. And so consequently, whenever real yields get anywhere above three, institutions, especially insurance companies, for example, tend to buy them in you know, with both hands. Um, in the back in in the Lehman debacle or the global financial crisis, you know, real yields at the time, the ten-year real yield was around, you know, one point eight or two percent, depending on where you were, and and it, it, they spiked because Lehman owned a lot of tips and, you know, they basically all got rinsed into the market. And and they got, and real yields jumped up to over 3%. I know a lot of traders at the time, <laughs> a lot of bond salesmen, who just went in and just bought everything they could at 3% because that's, that's a tremendous real yield. And here we are at 2.4%. So the point being that, you know, your... Your downside, if you're at 2.4%, is in a real disaster, maybe they get to 4.4, right? But they're, but it's going to be really hard to get there. So you're much closer to the higher end of those of, of real yields, whereas with nominal yields, as I said, there's really no, there's no ceiling to nominal yields. As high as inflation goes and inflation expectations go, nominal yields can keep on going up, and so therefore bond prices can keep on going down. So, and by the way, they, I, I mentioned earlier, tips have been as high as 4% back in, um, in like two, you know, 1999. But that was in the very early days. They got up to like 4.33 or something. But that was in the very early days of the tips program. They were illiquid. Institutions weren't buying them yet. People didn't really understand how they worked. And so they got really, really cheap. Uh, I know some people who, who bought them with both hands back then and felt very, very good for a long period of time. But they're they're not that they're not illiquid anymore, and so uh, really unlikely that we'll ever see that sort of thing again. And if they, we do again, that's a comparable return to owning stocks, and you should probably sell all your stocks and just buy tips at that point. Um, now, because tips provide a riskless real return, it's sort of useful to think of the fair rate of of tips too. I mean, there's there's kind of not really a you can sort of think about the fair nominal interest rate, and I've written about this before, and, and I might, might even have talked about this in a podcast at some point. You can think about the, the, the fair nominal interest rate um, if, you know, long-term interest rate, if you're in kind of a, a stable economy growing at 2 2.5% with 2 2.5% inflation, then a fair long-term yield is something like, in nominal terms, the sum of those, so somewhere between you know four and five percent, and so that's where we are right now, somewhere between four and five percent. If we have stable long-term growth at two, two and a half, and we have inflation at two, two and a half, then then they're in the right place. The problem is inflation might not be in the two, two and a half percent range, and so they could cons go considerably higher. But when we look at what's fair value, what the long-term fair value for tips then we don't have to look at the inf 
the, the range of possible inflations, we have to look at the range of possible long-term growth rates for the economy. And it's just not going to get very far from two, two and a half. Uh, you know, we could get into a 10-year recession where real growth was one, one and a half, right? And we could have a, you know, a 10-year economic boom time that got us to three. But that's kind of going to be where real return, the real return of the economy is. And so the real return of the fair real return for tips is somewhere around two, two and a half percent. And that's where they are right now, 2.4%. So tips are currently in a really long-term context are fair and and are closer to the high yield that you'd expect to see in sort of the worst case. And they deliver a pretty nice real return with inflation immunization. That's a really nice package. And, uh, and so for all those reasons, you know, I've said for a long time when, when tips get to two, you, you, you know, you, well, when, they're, when, when the real yield is below two, you might buy them in preference to nominal yields. In fact, I've said for a long time that tips were relatively attractive but absolutely expensive. Um, they were just less expensive than nominal bonds. They get the 2% yield and you go, okay, now they're, they're absolutely fair and and they actually got to be pretty close to to relatively fair. And now we're at 2.4 and they're absolutely starting to get cheap and relatively they're a little cheap to nominal bonds too. So so there's just a bunch of reasons that, you know, yes, you can lose money in tips. Uh you can lose money on a mark to market basis and um uh, there's there's nothing in the world that's that's riskless in all dimensions. So, uh, but at these prices, at these yields, it's a pretty good deal. I, I do I should include a disclosure here. I think everyone who listens to this knows this, but I, I I am an investor. I run some funds. I have an inflation linked investment company, and and guess what? We own tips. Um, whether or not we own tips and how much we own tips really doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to do with what I've talked about here, but you should be aware that I am long tips kind of all the time. And, uh, and if I don't disclose that, then, then, uh, somebody in, in a regulatory capacity will get mad at me. So now, you know, all right, that's all for today. That was a little shorter than my usual episode. Um, now, uh, but I'll make it slightly longer because I'm going to answer the trivia question. Um, the ni- what 1979 tune implored us to turn up that old Victrola? Um, now, when I first told my wife I was going to ask this question, she said, ah, that's, that's too easy. Um, and maybe you, dear listener, think it's too easy. Uh, in my wife's case, it was probably because I had been humming Dim All the Lights by Donna Summer all day just because it was stuck in my head. And so that might have made it a little bit easier because that is, of course, the answer. Dim All the Lights by Donna Summer. Anyhow, that's the answer to the trivia question. Um, and, uh, and I also want to mention as we, uh, as we go out here that, again, we rolled out a new website. Take a look at it, EnduringInvestments.com. Um, that's all for today's podcast. Please like and subscribe and 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 refer other people to the inflation guy you can contact me inflation guy at enduringinvestments.com subscribe for free to the blog at inflationguy.blog 
follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Follow me on X at inflation underscore guy. And, uh, and as I said, visit enduringinvestments.com. But most importantly, defend your money. And if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy. Remember, you know a guy.